Greetings, welcome to Dang That's Weird, where we're exploring life's weirdest moments. I'm your host, Spencer Wood Davis, and this week we're talking to Andrew Poitras. Andrew, what's going on, man? How's it going? I'm good, dude. How are you? I'm, I'm having a great day. Yeah, it's beautiful in Mexico City. Lovely, lovely. Uh, what are you up to today? I am. Uh, I had a job interview. I booked some flights. I'm on my way back to the States where I'm going to visit my family and then start a new a gig uh, in L.A. Hell yeah. So we basically have one question, and that is, what is the weirdest experience you've ever had? Defined however you want to define it. Yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of strange experiences, a lot of weird experiences, but I guess probably the the biggest one or the most defining one was um, when my landlord was murdered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go on. So sorry, uh, I shouldn't immediately laugh at the mention of murder, but I've I've heard parts yeah. of this story before. <laughs> I have a hard time with it too because, like, you don't really want uh, you don't really want anything like this to happen to anyone. It's kind of terrible, but it's also uh, there's something you know there's an icon iconography, I guess, to to the landlord. It's like there's an you know landlord's an avatar. Yes. When your landlord gets murdered, it's just kind of. It's, there's just something a little bit poetic or something weird about it. I, I don't, um, I don't support murder, but I also don't support landlords. So I'm, you know, you know, right. Tough. Yeah, it is tough. Um, we're doing the best that we can. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So, so how, yeah, well, how did this happen? Well, I just moved to Minneapolis. I'm sorry. I just moved to Brooklyn from Minneapolis and, uh, was living in this building for, um, uh, just under two years, I think. And I went back to Minneapolis to celebrate New Year's with some friends in Uptown. And I was pretty drunk one night. And it was, the, I think, the day after New Year's or the day before. I can't remember. But um, I decided to go take like a breather in one of the side bedrooms at this house party. And while I was laying down, my phone just started blowing up on this group chat. And uh, it was the, our, my neighbor and friend in the building in Brooklyn had sent a screenshot of the New York Post cover story, which what said, who didn't want him dead? It was the headline. It was pretty cold. Yikes. Um, yeah, it was pretty cold. The, um, especially the Hasidic community, because our landlord was Hasidic, was really outraged by that cover story. It's a pretty- That's a brutal headline. It's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. Um, they explore, you know, their justification for that headline was they explore, um, you know, relationships that he had in real life and in the community. And, um, he had done some bad business deals a few different times. And so sorry, this, this person was, this was a story about your landlord who had just been murdered. Yes, Okay. exactly. But, and they were basically raising the question, of like, um, how is, how's the, how are the detectives going to zero in on who may have be responsible for this when there's so many people angry and jilted by Menachem Stark? Okay. So yeah. Who, who was this person and why, why might have so many people want him dead? I mean, you know, in like, he was kind of a gangster a little bit. Um, you know, he wasn't traditionally, uh, he wasn't like a like mob involved necessarily, but he conducted his business in some pretty daring ways. Like he owned multiple buildings and he would, I think eight at, at his peak. 
and he would buy up buildings um, that were not designed for residential use and then like repurpose them in pretty clever ways, to be honest, but just not legal ways. Um, he, most, he the took, most clever ways typically aren't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, um, he collected uh, loans from various sources, not always on the up and up. Um, he took one of the loans he defaulted on was from a bank in Chicago. I'm going to forget the name of it now, but it's a really famous bank that was shut down by the FDIC and raided because of um, how many bad loans they were giving out. And they had customers like this guy named Jaws Durango. Jaws Durango was a Chicago mobster that was involved in like prostitution and racketeering and all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. And then like the the senior loan officer that was granting a lot of those loans had been warned by the FDIC and told like, you need to get your default ratio in order or we're going to have to take more serious action. And I mean, it didn't appear that he put a whole lot of effort into, into, he didn't really take them seriously. So the feds raided that bank and that was the type of bank that Menachem would kind of do business with. He also had taken out private loans as well. Oh, okay. And he had already defaulted on a loan from that bank at the time yeah. or before they were raided? Um, yeah, before they were raided and um, and then, you know, long before uh, his death. This was like years before his death. I want to say, sometimes I forget these details, but I want to say that he defaulted on that loan around 2006, I think. Okay. All right. So this dude, Menachem, is... Doing doing some sketchy business things. Yes. Maybe yeah. borrowing and, money from some sketchy people. Yeah. And he like did it both ways too. He was notorious for it. Like he'd have people living in, in his buildings that, um, that were often like under maintained and stuff and they would need money for other expenses. And at the same time that he's collecting rent from them, taking out shady loans, he's also giving them cash loans. He did cash loans. Like he'd always have like three to four thousand dollars on like, his person. Like to his tenants? Yeah, to tenants. Why? I don't I mean, you know, he'd have like a mother in a in a unit that would be complaining about things and like he would kind of play hero, but he always like charged interest also. So like wait, so somebody would complain about something in their unit and he would just give them a loan no, instead of fixing no, it? No, I didn't I didn't mean to draw a connection between the unit and the loan. No, I'm okay, saying he would it. have pe he'd have tenants like he'd have like a mother, like a single mother that would have a problem, and she'd be like complaining about. He was kind of a man of the people. There's a really fascinating article written by a guy named Jesse um, on the Gothamist where they talk about in his early days before he owned all eight buildings, he was much more present in their building, and they all kind of had like a chummy relationship with him. Sure. And so, so when he was chummy with certain people, he would give out cash loans, but he did charge interest. Okay. So like mixing this tenant friend business relationship all up in this big messy pot. Yeah. And, and also while, you know, often breaking a lot of rules and well, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. So he's got eight, eight buildings all in Brooklyn. Yeah, they were all in Brooklyn as far as I know. Yeah, I had a okay. map at one point that the New York Post published. Got it. And you were at the, can I share the address? Um, the only reason why I wouldn't is because I'm still there. 
Oh, <laughs> shit. Okay. Then, yes, I will not. You were at one yeah. of those eight places in Brooklyn. Yes. Um, you moved out there, what, 2012? Yeah, well, I got I moved to 11? Brooklyn at the very, very, I moved to Brooklyn at the very end of 2011, uh, right after okay. your wedding. And, yeah, right, right, right. and then I got this apartment maybe six months later. It took me a while to like find this place. So I think we moved okay, in in so, April of 2012, I think. And then he was killed in January 14, right? Yeah. Okay. So you'd been there like a year and a half or something. Yeah. What actually happened to, to the dude? Wasn't it like kind of a, a dramatic, even by murder standards? This is still hotly debated. So the okay. official record, the official record is that um, there were two cousins and a friend who were from Brownsville and they were contractors and they'd done a lot of work for the, for different buildings that were operated by Menachem. And then his partner at the time was Sam. And, uh, these guys had racked up a balance or, or rather, sorry, Menachem had racked up a balance with them to the tune of like 18,000 with these two contractors. Three, three contractors, I think, technically. Okay. There were actually four involved in this plot at one point, but really at the end of the day, like three of them went down for the murder. Okay. And so the, the, they say the balance that Menachem had owed was about $18,000, roughly, between the, these three guys. Sure. And um, they, I don't know what, what, like, at what point they lost their patience, but they decided that they weren't going to get paid and they didn't expect to get paid and they weren't comfortable with that. So he, like I said before, with the cash loans and stuff, Menachem was pretty well known for people who knew him. They knew he always had a little bit of cash. Sure. It was always like around three grand, three, four grand, pretty much everywhere he went. Yeah. Okay. On him at all times. Yeah. And tough, tough reputation to have when you owe a lot of people right, money. <laughs> right, right. Seriously. And so they decide they decided like they're gonna grab him and they're gonna rough him up and just gonna take him for whatever cash he has on his person and they're gonna suffer the L on the difference. Right. And uh, so they plotted this thing and they even like had at one point taped an, a cell phone to the undercarriage of his minivan that he drove. Like to track him. Yeah. Okay. Which which is pretty aggressive, but. Whatever. Also, so gotta, one, gotta be illegal, right? Totally illegal. I mean, they were very clearly legal. planning to do other illegal things anyway, but still. Dude, very illegal and also very difficult to explain away. Like, what's your story? Right. You, don't you don't have any good intent doing that. No. So then he, they wait for him outside of his office one night. Um, it's snowing. There's some really bad security footage of this online. He comes out and um, one of them confronts him, you know, wearing like a ski mask. And they didn't really expect him to fight back. He put up a fight. So they were caught off guard and they got, you know, a little roughed up, but then they got him hustled into the van and he was throwing a tantrum. So the biggest dude, and this guy was fucking big. It's like seven feet tall. Wait, why'd they have to, why'd they have to kidnap him? They were just trying to get money off of him, right? Or they just wanted to like not do this out in the, out in the open. I think I think it was a little bit of not wanting to do it out in the open because this isn't a this is on a street in Brooklyn with street lights. Yeah. Okay. So they just and, weren't trying and to cause also, a scene. Which they already had, and so then I think they were trying to diffuse it. Like let's 
get inside somewhere. <laughs> kidnapping. Undercover. Classic diffusion yeah. technique. <laughs> Usually guys, de-escalates things when you kidnap somebody. <laughs> these, yeah. Or I guess I should have used the word hide it. They were trying to just find, you know. Right, right. The, yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure that the windows on the van were mostly tinted. And uh, regardless, these guys were not clever criminals. And they also had no idea. Um, they didn't really plan for all the things that could go wrong. Especially sure. uh, when, when um, now I'm not going to remember his name, but he was the largest of the three. He's a really tall guy, like like well over six feet. He sat on Menachem and was like telling him like sit still and trying to keep him quiet and trying to keep him from freaking out more. And he suffocated. Ooh. And okay. so they're, they're driving and they're trying to figure out like where to go. They didn't have a plan and he stops moving. And then from there, Yikes. it was like National Lampoon's bury a body day out. Yeah, fuck. Okay. So they were trying to just take a couple grand off of him to settle this debt and accidentally killed the guy. Yes. Well, well that, was, that was the defense that they went with, at least. That's three, three, four guys did jail time. The fourth guy was like barely involved. He was kind of just like an accomplice that like an accidental accomplice. They had the van that they had used to, you know, conduct this crime was actually owned by his company. It was a company van and he kind of got roped in. Yeah. So he kind of got roped in and did a short sentence. But then the other three who were actually like in the van and actually disposed of the body and set him on fire in the dumpster um, at the gas station in Long Island. Those guys all did um, a few years. And I think... A few years? Well, one of them I for sure is still in prison. Okay. The other two I forget. The other two I forget. Regardless, they got the longer sentences. They got the bulk of the responsibility. Yeah. And then there's still, there's still a small community that believes that, you know, that the official record isn't exactly how it went down. Okay. But there's people that why especially well, there's people especially in the Hasidic community who fear that um that there were other people involved and the and the guys, the cousins and the people who actually went to prison were like patsies and were put up to it. Okay. Because he he owed money to so many other people? Yeah. Okay, so he's he dies. Yeah. January of 14. This trial happens eventually, I'm assuming. Like did did those dudes Dude, the trial took forever. Honestly, like uh I think that sentencing for for the last dude was in like 2019, I think. Like it took forever. Why? I don't actually Just know. I mean, I know stuff or uh maybe appeals. I mean, COVID definitely ended up um having some effect i don't know it's like it was um it was like super uh dragged out and so yeah he was murdered january 3rd 2014 may 1st 2019 man convicted in kidnapping murder of menachem stark gets 15 years took five years to sentence the guy yeah all right so landlord murdered Landlord murder. Guys get arrested. Long ass trial. 
sentencing, etc. This whole time you're still living in one of the buildings that he owned? Yeah, so there's this guy, like I mentioned a little bit ago, Sam was uh, Max's partner. Yeah. Sam, um, Sam didn't die. So like for a little while, he still existed, but he got really uh, nervous and he, he, okay. So when the investigation first started out, the first people that they were looking at for the murder were actually Russian mafia affiliated because of another right. outstanding, because of some uh, other outstanding loan. Okay. The police thought due to, you know, they were trying to follow all the money trails. The money trails led different to different, you know, sources. Some were banks, some were, there was a private Hasidic Jewish lender that had also given some cash that they didn't really necessarily suspect was violent. Okay. You know, the first, the first and obvious place they looked was Russian mafia. Yeah. Who do you owe the most money to who may not be opposed yeah. to committing crimes? Yeah. Right. So when, when that came out in like the news as a possible uh, lead or whatever, Sam got super scared and hired mad security and started rolling around with like an entourage of dudes wearing all black. When you say partner, you mean business partner, right? Business partner. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. Sorry. Uh, Menachem was married and had, I think four children. I think Okay. Sam was, Sam was the other half of the real estate business. Got it. And he was, he was a guy that we would call up to get keys when we locked ourselves out cause we were drunk or whatever. And yeah, he would sometimes collect rent. Like more like property manager type of guy. In the beginning, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then around the time, and then, you know, sometime in, I don't know, I think one, I want to say like February is I think around the time that he got scared and we never really saw him again. Like he's hired security and he stopped coming to the building and he, he ended up installing, um, there was another guy that worked with the organization. He wasn't a partner or anything, but we saw a lot more of that dude after that. Okay. And are you... Before this, would you like, were you mailing a rent check? Were you paying them in person? Like, how are you? We used to, uh, they would come by and stick an invoice in the crack of our door and we'd come home, there'd be an envelope there. And then we would put our check back in it, seal it and stick it in the hall. And then, you know, someone would just kind of come by and grab them all. Okay. And so that, did that stop at some point? Well, so we, for, after he died, our neighbor and really good friend of mine, also a Minneapolis guy, Greg, um, he like, and Scott, his roommate, stopped paying. And, you know, there was, out, there was other circumstances as to why, like they had lost a roommate and had, didn't have the total amount and didn't want to pay partial rent because they thought that was weird. So they were trying to find a roommate, blah, blah, blah. But really pretty quickly, because of the proximity to Menachem's death, <laughs> It turned into a joke of like, well, who are we supposed to pay? Sure. It's fucking dead, you yeah. know? And then so they I just was did, looking at- So they just stopped paying? Yeah, they just stopped. Like at first they were genuinely trying to fill the room and they were trying to figure it out. But they realized like a month later that there was not really any consequences. Yeah. I mean, if you don't pay rent for a couple months and nothing changes, why would you keep paying rent? <laughs> right. So like I'm upstairs, okay. he, they're on the first floor so and I'm you, watching this all go down. And I, yeah, I was like, this, I was like, this is a bad idea. I told Greg, I was like, you guys are, where are you going to go? Like, you guys are going to get kicked out, all this shit. Yeah. And, um, and then like, you know, after I think six months, I started to feel like a sucker. Cause you were paying like, rent the whole time. 
I'm paying the whole time. So what, uh, who were you like? Somebody was still coming around and grabbing checks or. Yeah. I mean, okay. uh, I'm assuming it was Ruben who was kind of like that helper guy. Yeah. But if some weren't there, he just kept it moving. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> you know, okay. like we like like we would get a text, you know, he'd like check in. But yeah. then nothing, but nothing was actually happening to Greg. You know, they'd be right. like, they weren't getting evicted or there weren't any steps being taken towards that. Yeah. No, yeah. it was mostly just annoying calls and texts. And Scott, Scott's a comedian, man. So he fucks with people all the time. So <laughs> like Ruben, Ruben would call and be like, Hey, we haven't got your rent in a couple of months, you know? And Scott would be like, Ruben, I'm doing the best that I can. And you just leave <laughs> that him was, hanging. That was good enough. Yeah, you just leave him hanging. Like Ruben never really knew what to to say. Yeah. And well, then, uh, I, you're in a tough spot too. Like now you're trying to collect on behalf of this guy that was just murdered for not paying his bills. <laughs> there, there, there seems yeah. to be a lot of hostility towards your associates. Uh, yeah. For the very reason of of unpaid bills. Yeah. Damn. Okay, so you. <laughs> You stopped paying rent like what six? You said six months later, maybe. It was about it was about six months after Greg. I mean, it definitely would have been around summer twenty fourteen. At one point, yeah, um, I was I was drinking at Matchless on a Saturday, like I don't know, like afternoon, early afternoon day drinking with my friend Adriana. She brought her roommate Mary, who was a paralegal, and. Somehow the dead landlord thing came up. It often does, especially when you're in Brooklyn. And sure. this and this girl Mary was like, "Oh, I think I I know that story." And I was like, "Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of people a lot of people know that story." And she was like, "Which building were you?" And I told her, you know, the cross streets, and she was like she's like, "I I think I know that specific building too." She's like, "I want to talk to you more about this. Um, you should email me on Monday." And this was a Saturday. So I did. And then she was like, I did a whole bunch of research for my boss because she's the paralegal. Her yeah. boss is this guy, Brad. And she was like, I did a whole bunch of research for Brad. I combed through all of these codes and I'm going to put you on the phone with him next to discuss this. But she's like, I just want you to know that you don't really have to pay rent. And I was like, and I, so it was like, obviously I've been watching Greg do this, but now I'm hearing it from. Oh, it's very different if a lawyer is telling you this. Yeah. Right. Right. So she puts me on the phone with Brad and Brad's like, yeah, we, we double checked, you know, everything. And it says here that if you pay rent to a person who illegally, um, transforms a building, they can still accept it without really being of any fault. And you don't really have any recourse to go get it back. But if you don't pay, they don't have any recourse to hold you to, the agreement. Your lease is invalid. Because yeah, because it's not them. a valid lease to begin with. Is that the idea? It's not a valid it's not a valid lease um because the building does not have a certificate of occupancy which allows it to be used for residential purposes. That had just been overlooked this whole time somehow? Like the city didn't enforce that? Well the city doesn't really look at the leases. The city only really, you know, there's a department for like building code and violations and safety. So that 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 they could come in and say the building's safe or unsafe. Um, but it was but obvious really people were like, living there. Yeah, it's super obvious to this day. I mean, yeah. we've been, I've kept that, I kept the same apartment. I have this exact same apartment that we're discussing. 
Yeah, that, we probably should have led with that. <laughs> almost 10 years later, you still have this apartment. Yeah, almost 10 years later. Okay, so so this lawyer tells you, like, you don't need to be paying rent. Your lease was not valid in the first place. Yeah. And the lawyer, the lawyer is like, uh, a retainer is a thousand bucks. Um, you know, you can apply it towards hours build. But to this day, I mean, I'm assuming that the money I'm, I'm behaving as if the money's gone, but to this day, he never billed any hours. So wait, he just gave you some free legal advice of don't keep paying this, this person. You stopped paying this person. And then you've had an apartment for the last eight years. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and no one like because zero repercussions. Like the cities never come by. There were never any like zoning questions. I mean, all of those questions have been raised. There's been multiple hearings about this. They've they they actually one of my neighbors who was a li- a bit louder than I was. Um, you know how they say the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Sure. Uh, I have one buddy who went after them and was like actively seeking a payout for his for vacating the premises. As in, he wanted the rent he had paid back. No, or- right. So this is what happened. Let me here. Let me let me back up a little bit. I've never had any real repercussions because I mostly mind my own fucking business. Yeah, it's a good situation. Don't say anything about it. Right. Our friend, I mean, if people contact me, I'm available. Like I've had conversations with Ruben. At one point, they actually needed to upgrade my stove and my air conditioning. And so they can't, and my heat. So they called me and were like, can we get access to the unit? And I said, well, it seems kind of weird, but if I can be here, sure. And we ended up getting like three hanging HVACs on the wall and a brand new stove. So, so they're still actively managing this property. Yeah. So, but not collecting was, money. Well, they're trying they, okay, it's so complicated, it's difficult for me to like parse everything out, but they still have responsibilities and obligations to different um, municipal departments. One of them being like, you know, building safety. It's like yeah, you, I guess. you know, you can so you can court, sort of break one rule, but it's not really in your best interest to break all of them. Right, or else you're going to get the property condemned or something. Right, it's just going to it's valuable just to own the property, even if it's not actively making money, I guess. But like, they must be losing money on it at this point. Well, they're deaf. Well, they were losing money for sure, but there's, you know, tons there, there was four floors to the building and multiple units on each floor. And so a lot of people, this was not a small, there were probably what, 30 or 40 units. Yeah. Something like that. Actually, if I counted correctly one time, Ah, man, it's so, I want to say it was closer to 60. Okay. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was not a, not a small building is not a small building. No. So a lot of people were still paying and I don't, it's hard for me to understand the financials of like what their mortgage was versus how much they were pulling in. I couldn't know that, but not everybody was, was part of what we call rent-free America. (laughs) Well, and it, it can't be worth it for them to try. Like if they know legally, they can't enforce you paying and they don't want to like start shit unnecessarily with the city or with other tenants or whatever. It probably is best for them just to not say shit about it too. Right. It's kind of how it turned. It turned into like a mom's the word type of situation. Yeah. 
like, like, like I said, Ruben would occasionally, it's been a long time since this has happened, but Ruben would occasionally contact me and I was cordial to him. But, you know, around summer 2014, our lawyer told us, you know, now that you're on retainer, you can let Ruben or whoever that contacts you know that you're only going to communicate with them through legal means, like about the lease or any of that. Yeah. I didn't refer him to my lawyer when he wanted to like upgrade the HVAC, but anytime he wanted to discuss the lease or anything like that or the, or the money, I told him he had to provide legal communication, which was like in writing, can't be a text message. It can't be a phone call. And I would refer him to my lawyer. I told him that in 2014. He never, he never followed up. (laughs) Yeah. Why would not once? Yeah. He did not want lawyers poking around in this mess. No, no, he didn't. And, and it's, and that's where that conversation stayed with Ruben was in the summer of 2014. And then, like I said, so I didn't really suffer any consequences, but I had a neighbor who was part of rent free America who really wanted a payday. He was done with the building. And so he got a, retained a lawyer and started paying this guy and he actually billed hours. I never billed any hours. So he's like, you know, incurring costs going after the building, trying to get a payout. For, and um, For what? I don't understand. Why, uh, why would they owe him money? Well, they don't owe him money, but it could be in their best interest if he got off, got out of the property. Um, so <laughs> let me, let me also add, I forgot this part for context. Our friend, our other friend, did get a buyout. He was offered $30,000 to vacate the premises, 60 in total. Yeah, to leave. So 30 for him, 30 for his roommate. And they. this is the funniest story ever. So that guy ended up just moving down the hall into another <laughs> unit. He took the money and just moved to a different open unit? He took the money and moved to our, into a, a room in our buddy's place. That's incredible. So Brian saw this happen and Brian was like, well, I want 30 grand. Yeah, of course. So then he hired this lawyer and started paying him a bunch of money to try and get a bigger payout. But the lawyer, I think, was just milking him. And then by doing that, he pissed off whoever he was in touch with regarding the buyout. You know, like on the on the real estate company side, yeah, sure. Like I, don't, I honestly, I don't even know who that person is anymore. I have no, I have no idea. But whoever he was dealing with, he pissed them off by being a thorn in their side and cost him a bunch of money. And he was at risk of like actually getting evicted, whereas we were all still riding. Yeah. So can they can they evict you? Do you have? I don't know how New York does things. Do you have rights after being there for eight years? Yeah, we have tenants' rights right now. Um, and tenants rights doesn't sound like anything all that spectacular, but in New York, uh, they're really serious about it. And, and what does that mean exactly? That means that like, you know, unless they can show that we have done, you know, a couple of very specific things like, um, like seriously damaging the property, um, then they really can't get us out because they're the ones that broke the rules by renting to us when they weren't supposed to. And all we're doing is upholding you know, our, our, we signed that lease in good faith. So we're maintaining our yeah. residence and the city says, yeah, that's how it is. Our land, our lawyer also told us, keep an eye on the politics in the city because this could change at any point. Like somebody right. landlord friendly might come in and start shifting things around. But to date, it hasn't gone down that way. 
Do you, so you haven't lived in New York for a minute. I was there again for almost for like nine months or so um, at the tail end of the pandemic. But yeah, yeah. I, I dip in and out, but I, but I've been in Mexico for a year now. So is somebody else there while you're not? You, yeah. Do you so, have tenants? <laughs> right. So, well, kind of, not really. Um, Greg uh, moved into my spot and is like, he's the Minnesota cat. Yeah. that I've known since, you know, over a decade. I don't charge him or anything like that. He just holds yeah. it down, keeps an eye on everything. And then I have my key and I can come and go when I like. And I would, but we stay in touch. I always let him know. Yeah. Incredible, dude. I mean, that's <laughs> got to be like easy because it was what, a two bed? No, three bedroom? It was a three technically, but they were really small rooms. They weren't legal rooms, but, you know, they're three. Even in 2014, that must have been like what two three grand a month minimum uh we when we were paying the rent it was 2800 yeah and and, and at one point eight years ago like that that would probably be a five thousand dollar a month apartment at this point uh, yeah i would i would probably think yeah i mean a three-bedroom in brooklyn like in a decent yeah. building <laughs> whether or not yeah, it's a legal I mean, building <laughs> yeah right exactly i mean it is a good location and it's only gotten better in the last like since you moved in there. Yeah. So, I mean, that's gotta really be, has. I mean, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars if you had been paying rent that whole time. Dude, my fucking buddy, Alex, he was like, why aren't you a millionaire? Are you fucking, are you stupid? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks bud. Yeah. But like, yeah, that's gotta be a, I mean, even if, even if you took it at like the existing rent, call it three grand a month. It's 36 grand a year for eight years. Yeah. Whatever that, that's two yeah, something. You know, I definitely put, um, you know, I spent some money that I saved initially on a house in LA. Yeah. There you go. And, uh, it wasn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't make the 200 something that, that we are estimating. Right. But that sure. was definitely a good investment that I used some of the savings for. And then I parlayed, sold, sold that at one point and parlayed that into a different property in LA. I, you know, I didn't do everything wrong, but I definitely <laughs> feel like I could have could have showed some more for all this. I, I didn't mean that. I just mean like that's when you multiply that by, you know, 30 or 40 units or however many of those aren't paying rent. Like, yeah, that place was probably if it was full and everyone was paying rent, you're looking at like six figures a month in rent for one building. Yeah. They were bank. They were, they were cash flowing for sure. I don't know at what rate, um, lots, a lot's changed. Like at one point the building was, um, when they acquired it, I think it was like 9.3 million. Um, I'm sure it was a 30 year term Yeah. later, later after in 2018, the building changed hands for, uh, 18 million. Wait, Someone else bought the building? Yeah, but, you know, the Hasidic community, um, they work um, with each other. And they, so that that Ruben guy is still around. Wait, so when, they, when Menachem was killed, who who then owned the building? His business partner? Or the, it, well, the, their, their the, business, I guess? The entity, but I don't yeah. know what entity it was. So, okay, so. so that, whatever entity that was continued after he after he was killed for a while. Yeah. yeah. Had to okay. have. Yeah. And you know, the, 
there's a lot of like business strategies that that community sometimes can employ that I'm not super familiar with. Like sometimes they change the property, but um, the owner between like cousins or brothers. Um, sure. And they also will like start, like I know that Sam and Menachem specifically had a whole slew of LLCs. And if they would okay. like, at, like when I first started living there, I had to pay rent to like a, I don't know, like a something, something like North side lofts. And then one day I got a letter saying that the new, that going forward, the rent would be paid to a new LLC, which was like North line lofts. And they would just like, they were always swapping out these similar sounding businesses. And I also know that like different people in different units paid rent to different LLCs. So sometimes, yeah, it was all very weird. Like um, at one point, the lawyer uncovered documents that made it look like they, um, Sam and Menachem had had different leases that they personally were profiting off of in the building. So like Sam was getting rent over here. Menachem was getting rent over here. Weird. It was all very weird, really hard to like make sense of. But I think that, you know, the building selling uh, was probably more for show yeah but i mean if it's at a huge profit like that makes sense that you would just try and maintain the status quo for as long as you needed to sell it at a you know for 200 percent of what you paid for it yeah i mean i just every time something like this happens like a hearing happens or we see a headline that the building got sold like like was in 2018 or 2019 or whatever it was. Um, it always raises alarm. Like, well, they must be making some changes. They must be complying in some way. Yeah. Did anything change so when it's sold? To this day, still nothing. Fascinating, dude. We're always waiting for the other shoe to drop, but in the meantime, we're just enjoying ourselves. Yeah. After eight years, like it may not. Yeah. Well, anything, uh, Anything you want to plug or let people know about other than advocating for talking to your neighbors? I guess, you know, I'm definitely a big fan of talking to your neighbors. I'm all about uh, organizing, which which I use that term loosely. Rent Free America doesn't have meetings or anything, but we do stay (laughs) in touch and share information, you know? Yeah, that's important. Um, We're always keeping an eye on uh, the laws and see what's possible. And we actually turn the story into a script as well that we are calling who oh, didn't want go. him dead. All right. Well, let me know uh, where that ends up, please. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I mean, so far, none of us are in the guild, so it's hard to get people to read it, but sure, we sure. think that the story's got, got something to it. Um, can I direct people to the, the AMA that you did? What a year or two yeah. ago. Okay. Yeah, there's, absolutely. Yeah, it's on Reddit. There's, there's a Reddit AMA that has a lot of, uh, a lot of good questions and, and background as well. Yep. All right, buddy. Uh, appreciate it. Wild yeah. story. I know you have many more, so maybe we'll have you back <laughs> at some point. But I can't, yeah, man. I can't wait. Thanks for hanging. All 
All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Dang That's Weird is a production of Duvid Media. Make sure to check out all of our amazing shows at duvid.media or wherever you get podcasts. If you have a weird story you'd like to share, you can send an email to spencer at dangthatsweird.com or leave a voicemail at 612-208-2744. And until next time, keep it weird. Duvid Media.